Welcome, everyone, to Force of Nature Podcast. I am your host, Matthew D. Hamilton, and I'm here with my co-host... David Botcher. Terrific. This week, we continue our lion coverage and have a very famous story. Probably the most famous story that we've covered so far, Dave. Hmm. And that is the Man-Eaters of Savo. You may know this story from the movie The Ghosts in the Darkness, The Ghost and the Darkness, which uh, we will talk about as well. Uh, it's a really cool story, especially if you like true crime. This is like true crime, but with lions. And that was, and this story has uh, played a big part in the inspiration for this podcast. When I originally thought of this idea, it was like true crime. What can? How can we make true crime different? Animals. And then it just kind of came from that. Mm. That was my original idea. Nice. But it's it's kind of hard to believe it's taken us 55 weeks to cover this story. It's yeah. the most famous one probably out there. But now is a good time, Dave. And we hope everybody enjoyed last week's episode. We talked about conservation, pop culture, and other famous man-eaters. Uh, this was a good episode, Go so go ahead and check it out if you haven't yet. Also, we are joined in the studio, as always, by everybody's favorite cheetah, Colonel Cheetor. I used to have a great-great-great-grandpa who used to run around and bitch-slap those lions. <laughs> oh, really, Cheetor? I'm uh, sure that's 100% accurate. Gee, what a tall tale. Uh, and as always, we want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to us. We've been doing well on our downloads. That's awesome, so thank you, everyone. And if you enjoy the show, something you can do is go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you use. Give us a review. Give us five stars. Say something you like about the show. doesn't matter what you say, but you can say whatever you want, actually. But the ratings and reviews actually do help uh, out a lot. They gain more attention. It'll help gain more listeners. And they mean more than you think. So go ahead and please do that for us. So, Dave, what do you say we just get going into it? Let's do it. First, I want to go over where this story takes place and what's going on before we get to the main story with the lions. Okay. So let's start with Savo. Savo is spelt T-S-A-V-O. So the T is silent. Huh. It is a region of in southern Kenya near Tanzania, the Tanzanian border, and by the Savo River. The word Savo comes from the Kamba or is it Kamla? I can't read my own writing. It's either an <laughs> L or a B here. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, people, uh, so the Kamla people, which translates, the word Savo translates to slaughter. Ooh. Which is kind of ironic, actually. Yeah. For what the story entails later. But the Savo region was heavily used in the slave trade as well, up until the British... Uh, put an end to it in the late 1800s. And today, there are actually two national parks in the area, Savo East and Savo West National Park. And in the area of Savo, the climate is a bit different than what you would normally think of, like, say, in the Serengeti. Uh It looks more desert-like, and it's much hotter and much drier. Oh, okay. Than the plains of, or the savannas of what you normally would think. Okay. It, from images, it looked almost like Tucson a little bit. It was oh, kind of, wow. yeah, it, was, it looked kind of weird like that. I mean, it's huh. obviously not like 100% like Tucson, but it did look a lot like it. Huh. Well, Dave, in order to learn more, we actually need to do something first. Oh. 
So what do you say we hop into our time machine? Sometime. Somewhere. And we are going to start in 1895. Hmm. That's because uh, this is when a bill was passed to build what uh, is called the Ugandan Railway. So the continent of Africa was going through a strange time here. The, the time period from around 1881 to about 1914 is known as the Scramble for Africa or the Conquest of Africa. That's ah. what it was called. This was the occupation, division, and colonialization of Africa by European powers. Okay. In 1870, only 10% of Africa was under European control. And by the end, by 1914, it was around 90% oh, wow. controlled by European powers. Gee. And at this time, Kenya was under the good old British Empire. Uh, the map of Africa was really so much different back then than what it is today. Today, it's, there's lots of little little countries, you know, spread yeah. out everywhere. It was back then. It was just there's blocks. This was the British. This was the, oh, okay. the Spanish. This was French, and it it was much much different. Okay. And the reasons for European uh, countries settling Africa are the desire for valuable natural resources. Um, and also to spread religions. And a big part was for national prestige, just to make them look good. Like, hey, we got this part of Africa, what you bitches got over there. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was yeah. just national prestige. Yeah. Uh, they got to have a summer home, you know, those yeah. rich aristocracies. Uh, this was a topic I didn't know really anything about until I started doing research to me. And it's actually um, it's pretty interesting. And I'm I'm trying to give it the proper I'm trying to give the proper setup so everyone understands the story better for later, but yeah, this was interesting stuff I didn't know about it. So I I, I did learn a bunch doing right this on. research, not just about the lions. Okay, so back to the railroad. The British wanted to make this railroad from Mombasa, which is the a larger city on the coast of uh, Kenya. Okay, and Kenya's on the. Indian Ocean side. So it's on the okay. east part of the continent. And so they want to make a railroad from Mombasa up to Uganda, which is also controlled by the British. The railroad would allow quick transport of goods, people, including soldiers, kind of to ensure their domination of the region. Okay. And the British ran a good amount of Africa, places like Egypt, Nigeria, South Africa, and... Kenya and many other areas. Theirs was a little more sparsed out, as when like the when the French they had a specific blocked area and that, okay. was, that was theirs. They had like Morocco and and stuff like that. There's a lot of other countries, other well, other European nations that had control of different parts of Africa were Spain, Italy, France, Germany, Portugal, and Belgium. Hmm. Belgium had the uh, Congo region. Oh, so you know, like in Tarzan. Yeah. The, you, I think the bad guys were the Bel, uh, Belgian people. Oh, interesting. And part of that story. But, uh, okay, uh, back to the railroad again. Construction began at the port city of Mombasa in 1896 and actually did get finished in 1901 on the shore of Lake Victoria. And the railroad is 660 miles long. The railway was a huge logistical achievement and uh, became strategically and in 
and economically vital for both Uganda and Kenya. That is a long distance. Yeah, that is a long it's like distance. Over fr- that's from over here. It's further than here to L.A., you know? Is it? Yeah. No, from like Salt Lake six, to L.A.? I think Salt Lake to L.A. is like three, 638 miles, something so like right that. So right about that. Yeah. So Salt Lake to L.A. Yeah. That's pretty long. Yeah, that is. Hey, isn't like Victoria, is that where they have the Victorian Falls? Yes, okay. I believe so. Uh, yeah, Lake Victoria is a really big lake there in Africa, too. Uh, so it also helped suppress slavery, which was a big thing just before this. It helped suppress slavery by removing the need for humans to transport goods. You know, like take yeah. caravans and um, have horses and donkeys take you. Yeah. Now you got the railroad, so there's really no need for slavery anymore there. Well, there's a lot more to slavery than just that. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Nearly all of the workers involved are, um, or for the construction, came from actually British India. So they came from India. Hmm. A total of over 36,800 people were brought over. And most of these people were called coolies. Huh. Which means they wore tight jeans and had man buns and liked to drink coffee. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, and smoking their vapes, of course. <laughs> no, that is not what that means. And that is not cool. <laughs> uh, coolie really means uh, unskilled labor. Is Basically, the definition of it. That's the same thing, isn't it? No, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Each coolie signed a contract for three years at 12 rupees per month with free food rations and return passage to their place of enlistment. Hmm. They received half pay if they were hospitalized, but they also got free medical while working there. (laughs) Hopefully, that was good. But this was not... This was not easy work in the slightest, Dave. This uh, this work is the definition of manual labor. You know, just like we think out west when they were building the railroads out here. Yeah. And they they had the Chinese building uh-huh. it. And even like a lot of the Irish people, they had everybody. Everybody was kind of putting in to build the railroads here. Yeah. And it was extreme manual labor to do that. Yeah. Uh, then you have to deal with heat. And there was lots of sickness. There was uh, fighting from within, dangerous animals. Mm-hmm. There was uh, even 400 men hired to act as law enforcement for all of these workers. Wow. And they were armed with rifles as well. So from 1895 to 1903, about uh, 2,500 workers died during construction. Ooh. That's a rate of about... 357 annually. So that's basically a, almost a person a day. Wow. Was dying. And not everybody was given a proper burial. Many were just kind of left out. Oh, and then geez. they were eventually um, eaten by scavengers yeah. and lions. Well, I guess it's going to come back to bite them in the butt. Uh-huh. Foreshadowing uh-huh. there. Yeah. <laughs> There's your good pun for the day, Dave. Oh, thanks. <laughs> So I really want to put over what a big thing that bu- the building of this railroad really is and how many people were involved. There was It was a huge thing. And while building, they hit a bit of a snag mm. when approaching the Savo River. And when they get to the river, a bridge needs to be built. Okay. This is where we really start our story now, okay? 
Let's crocodiles? No. No, actually, no crocodiles involved in this story. Interesting. I'm sure that, that they... Water. Crocodiles, hippos, you know. Well, they don't play a part in the story, but they probably were very dangerous. Maybe they were able to stay out of it. Using ropes or something. Well, and maybe they weren't eating everybody, too, so... True. All right, Dave, let's meet a man. Let's meet Lieutenant Colonel John Henry Patterson. John Henry? Well, he sounds like he should be working on the railroad. <laughs> in fact, he is. Oh, okay. Well, and if, you're, if you've seen uh, The Ghost in the Darkness, this is Val Kilmer's character. Okay. And I couldn't find much about him before these events other than he joined the British Army at the age of 17. And then he um, spent a lot of time in India. And he actually did a lot of big game hunting there, including mm. hunting tigers. See, like Jim Corbett Jr. A little bit. There is a lot of Jim Corbett things, and oh, that, okay. and I'm, I'll mention them throughout the story. But yeah, there's a lot of similarities in what they do to hunt. So oh, I'll get I guess into he that. would be senior, wouldn't he? Jim yeah, yeah, Jim Corbett. A, his first hunt was in 1907. Okay. I want to say. So yeah, this was uh, like nine years before, but in. 1898, Patterson was commissioned by the Railway Committee in London to oversee the construction of the bridge over the Savo River. And he arrived at the site in March of that year, in 1898. And I do know that Patterson has a good amount of experience in building or in the construction of bridges, and that is why he, he was sent there. So he has experience in this, and he's also a big-time game hunter. Didn't he didn't know he was gonna have to use that skill here, but yes. Okay. So Patterson arrives at the building site, consisted of several camps spread out over eight miles, accommodating the several thousand laborers there. A temporary bridge was built to allow the truck uh or to allow it was built to sorry, not the truck, the track to cross the river. So they built a temporary bridge. And so they could keep building beyond the um, river so they could keep going and not just halt there, everybody. Yeah. So, so the rest of them could keep going. Uh, and so the river was about 100 yards wide. So a football field length wide. That's pretty big river, right? Yeah. Patterson began by locating a source of suitable stone about three miles away and building a small tram line to the bridge site. So these stones would be used uh, to form foundation piers in the riverbed. Okay. Which uh, the bridge's pillars would be constructed. Meanwhile, uh, construction of the railway continued. So everything was continuing. He was bringing those in. Within just a few days of Patterson's arrival, people began to disappear. Huh. At first, Patterson didn't believe the natives who told him that there was a lion attacking workers. Quickly, however, reports of lion sightings began, began coming in, and remains of dead workers began being found. Mm. It became clear that there were at least two lions involved. Ooh. So... I want to say uh, a bit about these lions. The lions here in the Savo region are a bit different than, say, the lions in the Serengeti, the lions that you typically think of. They're okay. a little different here in Savo. 
The prides in this region are normally smaller in size, with only maybe eight to ten lions in a pride. Oh. And it's almost always uh, controlled by one male, only one. Huh. So males, uh, when they're in charge, they don't share a pride here. Just get, probably because they have smaller prides due to the resources around them. Yeah. And the males, they actually look different as well. Oh. Most males spend a large, or they have a bit large mane, you know. Mm-hmm. But the lions here have really short manes, or basically none at all. Huh. The reason is believed to be all about water. Since this is a drier region, Savo is hotter and drier than the, the Serengeti. And a male with a heavy mane just doesn't work for this environment. Oh. So evolution has made them not have that big of manes or not have any at all. Huh. And there's also a lot of really thick, um, thorny brush in this region. Um, I, th- I think I mentioned it later, but yeah, it's really th- thorny. Huh. And so going through that, you can get, we get caught in their mane. So yeah. they don't have them here. Okay. Also, even before these man-eating lions, there's actually a history of man-eating lions in the Savo region before that. Huh. For centuries, during the slave caravans that passed through the through uh, through the area, the death rate was really high for them, especially from sickness, from things like the the I think it's uh, test test. Uh, I don't know how to say it. T S E T S E. It's the test test fly. Have you ever huh. heard of it? It's a fly. I, so. I want to say it's kind of like, think of it as like a mosquito, okay. you know, like delivering malaria. Oh. This is a fly that delivers in other illnesses. Oh, okay. So that was that's a big thing in a lot of parts of Africa. Well, maybe that's why, I mean, if everyone dies going through there, maybe that's why it's called Savo. You know, you said Savo would be slaughter. slaughter. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that might be why they named it that. So um, bodies of slaves who died or were dying were just dropped off the side of the caravan road. Uh And lions, are part scavengers, would then eat these dead bodies and may have gotten their taste of human flesh from eating Mm. these corpses. That's kind of a theory, but the deaths of the slaves was definitely a thing that happened. So the two lions in this story are younger males who are brothers, believed to be brothers, and have formed a coalition with each other. Remember, we've talked about coalitions that the males do when they don't have a pride. Uh All right, so back to the story now. Every few days, one of the lions would strike at uh, one of the scattered campsites. Then, uh, Then a different one was attacking horses, donkeys, goats, cattle, and people. They were just, they're attacking whatever they could, pretty much. Uh Fear was mounting within the campsites. The Indian workers constructed protective fences around their campsites known as boma. These are the thorny brush that I was talking okay. about. Uh, made And it's made from uh, branches of acacia trees. Not, not acadia. A-C-A-C-I-A. Some of the words are tough when you're dealing in Africa. Okay, yeah. Uh, so, and they also kept campfires burning all night long, but lions still found their way through. Gee. In one incident, one of the lions clawed its way into a tent and attacked a sleeping worker. 
but in the confusion, uh, actually dragged away the worker's mattress instead. <laughs> and when it realized this, the lion dropped the mattress and ran off. Oh. That's a very, very lucky man there. Yeah. That's crazy. Most other people were not so lucky. By April, the workers were uh, concentrated into a number of camps near the bridge site itself. And this is where the lions now uh, began to concentrate their attacks. Oh. Patterson, being a skilled hunter who has hunted lion, or, uh, tigers in India, spent several nights perched in a tree with his rifle, hoping to spot the lions. But he did not. He had no luck. And if you remember, Dave, our man Jim Corbett did the same thing when hunting tigers, yeah. camping out in the trees. So one night, one of the lions broke into the hospital tent and dragged away one of the patients. Patterson decided to move the hospital tent to a different location. But the very next night, the lion returned to the new location and dragged away the water carrier out of the hospital. Gee. His head and one of his hands were found the next morning. Oh, That's it. Gee. Part of this was incorporated in the movie, The Ghost in the Darkness. I actually literally just showed... Dave, you haven't seen that movie in years, you said. Yeah. So I just showed Dave a couple of scenes in the hospital scenes. So they got that from... Well, they fictionalized it, but they got that from a legit thing. Yeah. And you just watched it. What would you think of that part? Yeah, it's it's uh, pretty overdramatic or over... A lot of action. <laughs> it's pretty cool, though, right? It's like a Rambo lion. You know? Rambo lion. That's exactly yeah. what it was. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is a cool scene. I really liked it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really cool, even though it didn't happen like that, but that's okay. Yeah. Patterson then moved the hospital tent again and placed a railroad car with some cattle inside at the old location. Oh, interesting. Trying to lure him in. This was actually in the movie as well. Oh, okay. Accompanied by the camp doctor, he stayed up all night with his rifle, hoping the lion would return. And Patterson notes that early in the killings, only one lion at a time would enter the inhabited areas to kill victims. Mm -hmm. It could have just been that... Uh, they it could have just been one that always did this, you know, like say big brother lion was brazen enough and little brother stayed behind yeah. his lookout or something. But later on, they would both start entering and both start taking a victim one at a, uh, okay. both taking one each at a time pretty much. Okay. But the beginning, there was just one of them. They, they think. Oh. The lion did in fact return. It managed to get into a, get into the boxcar and kill one of the cattle that he, they used as bait. But the lion could not figure out how to drag the body out through the boma fencing with the, the thorny bushes. Oh, okay. Instead, it began to stalk Patterson and the doctor. Oh. The lion attacked them. Wow. But Patterson managed to wound it. He shot it in the mouth. Oh, wow. With his rifle, and it broke off one of its canine teeth. Gee. I don't know how that shot works out or how that is possible. <laughs> yeah. You think if you shot it head on, it hits the tooth and 
goes down it, and that would probably kill it, right? Yeah. It must have been like a side angle. Yeah. That's the only way I can think of it. And that's the... That's the only thing to make. Wow. Otherwise, like it would could kill the lion, you yeah. know. So that's got to be the only thing that I could think of. So at this point, as the attacks uh, mounted, hundreds of workers were fearing uh, becoming the next victim. And they were fleeing from Savo, and this Smart. halted halted construction on the bridge. So colonial officials began to intervene, according to Patterson. Even the district officer, his name is Mr. Whitehand, <laughs> Mr. Whitehand, and he, Mr. Whitehand narrowly escaped being killed by one of the lions after arriving at the Savo train depot in the evening. But his assistant named Abdullah was killed Gee. while Mr. Whitehead escaped and had, uh, so Abdullah um, had a large four pronged claw tear running down his back. Wow. So these lions are no joke right now. Yeah, that's crazy. After this, the lions apparently left the area for a few weeks. Patterson would later learn that they had been raiding one of the construction camps at the railroad, which is now many miles away from the bridge. So they just kind of moved on, found a different spot to hunt people. Gee. Assuming they would be back, Peterson constructed a mechanical trap inside the railway car that would drop a set of iron bars if anything entered. For several nights in a row, Patterson used himself as bait, spending the night inside the boxcar to try to lure one of the lions. But nothing happened for a long uh. time. A few weeks later, the lions did return. One lion entered through the Boma fence and dragged one of the workers out. Where it was joined by the second lion, they ate the worker just 30 yards away from the camp. Wow. So these lions are, at this point, they don't, they're like, we don't care. They're extremely bold and brazen and they just don't, they're not caring right now. Wow. They, like, we run the place here. They're only going 30 yards away from... Uh, where they killed the man, and there's other people around, and they're just eating it like it's nothing. Jeez. For the next several months, the lion would, the lions would periodically return to make more kills. Even a great hunter like Patterson has not been able to kill them yet. And this isn't unusual. Dave, if you remember from our Jim Corbett episodes, even he spent months at a time hunting uh, a man-eating tiger yeah. with many failed attempts as well. Yeah. It's not like this stuff is easy, hunting man-eaters, man-tigers, lions. Yeah. Uh, and Patterson was also in charge of building a bridge at the same time, too. So he had other important things to do rather than hunt the lions, so he's doing double duty. Gee. Okay, so Dave, now let's go to December 1st. Uh, most of the workers um, boarded a train and left. Only a small number remained to help finish the bridge. Two days later, the superintendent of police arrived with 20 armed men in help to kill the lions. This has created such a big thing that they have sent 20 people in to help out. Mm. 
Uh, yeah, that's that's how bad things have gotten. Uh, the the workers are leaving out of fear, halting the bridge construction, costing lots of money and time, all because of these two lions. Gee. But that night, one of the lions finally entered the booby trap boxcar, <laughs> and he entered it. And but despite a number of shots being fired from very close range, he was able to escape unharmed. The wow. lion. And that part was kind of in the movie, The Ghost in the Darkness. Too. Oh yeah. Yeah, they had a boxcar, and they hired people who were shooting, but couldn't hit it and they're like seven or eight feet away it seems like the police superintendent and his men spent several days hunting the lions with zero success so they left (laughs) oh boy uh but uh, they did alone patterson with a high-powered rifle what did he have before i don't know i couldn't get any information on the rifle they Mm. just like here use this maybe this will work i don't know (laughs) Uh, so on December 9th, one of the lions killed a donkey. And as it ate, Patterson, well, they, they knew, they, they spotted it and they knew where it was. So Patterson instructed a group of workers to approach it, making as much noise as possible to lure it into the open area. And Dave, if you remember, Jim Corbett also used this tactic and he called it a beat. You remember that? Yeah. This worked. And when the lion came into a open, Patterson got a shot off. And he hit the lion in Ooh. its back leg. Hmm. But it was still able to escape. Expecting that the lion would return that night uh, to its kill, Patterson built a wooden platform and waited. And this is actually in the movie. This this part oh, okay. is legit in the movie and actually done pretty well and is one of the more true to the story parts of the film. Kind of, kind of, we'll say that. But yeah, he builds, he builds this big, um, like wooden feature it just has two legs and one log across pretty much. Oh, okay. So he would be on top of that waiting for the lion and the diet, the lion did indeed return that night. But the lion completely ignored the dead donkey and went right for Patterson instead. Ooh. Like, like how it, high was he then? I doesn't it never said. I mean, in the movie, it was a good fifteen feet. Oh, okay. So we'll say give or take. But it's like the the lion knew that it Patterson was the person who shot it earlier. But uh. It's like the, that's what Patterson says, at least. But he managed to, he did manage to shoot this lion twice. With one shot through the shoulder, penetrating its heart. Oh. Patterson found the lion dead the next morning. So, finally, after nine months, Patterson managed to kill one of the man-eaters that has terrorized his campsite. But there is still one lion left. Oh, boy. And this one proves to be even more difficult to kill. Oh, gee. Uh, this this did happen in the movie as well. He, he kills oh, yeah. one. It was a lot more dramatic, I think. Like, he falls from the log, and, or from the, his, whatever, his little wood tower perch. thing. Yeah, yeah, his perch. He falls from it, and his rifle's missing, but he pulls out his uh, pistol and oh, shoots okay. the lion and... So it was it was done it was done okay though I like that part. Hmm. Uh, 
Um, but yeah, you. I, I've always wondered, like, if uh, if one of say the lion's brother dies, does the other lion know? I mean, it's got to, right? Oh, revenge time. I'm sure that's how it is. <laughs> right, but it's got to know that its brother is dead. Anyway, oh, and the first lion uh, was measured to be uh, nine feet eight inches from nose to tail. Wow, that's that's pretty big. Yeah, that's that's. It's not abnormal, but that's pretty big. Uh, um, it took eight men to carry it back to camp. Wow. Um, the other lion in... Well, that event... Okay, never mind. I'm not going to... No, we're not going to skip to that part. Okay. <laughs> I was getting ahead of myself there. <laughs> but yeah, Dave, so far, what do you think? This is crazy. Yeah, this is a very intense story. I mean, the man-eating lions are killing people left and right. Yeah. And there's only one down, and it's time one down. for vengeance. One down. All right. But a few nights later, the remaining lion attacked a couple of goats. Patterson set out three goats later as bait, tying them to um, a short section of railroad tie and waited. Lion doesn't want to be fed. Lion wants to hunt. <laughs> That's from Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, the lion returned, killed one of the goats, and dragged the entire railroad tie still attached to the goat away. <laughs> oh my god! Dragged all of it away, and Patterson missed. He he got a couple shots off, but he missed. Uh, uh, that next morning, Patterson and a group of workers followed the trail, found the lion, but it ran off. Mm. Could not get it that time. Patterson then built another wooden platform thing that was uh-huh. successful in the last line. Um, he's uh, hoping that the lion would return. The lion returned that night, and Patterson was able to shoot it. Oh. He got a shot. He hit it, but the lion ran away. Where'd he hit it? Did, did it say? I, I don't know. Oh, okay. Probably doesn't seem like anywhere important because for the next 10 days, Patterson. Concluded that the lion had died of its wounds. Huh. And they haven't seen it for 10 days. Huh. Nobody has. But, come on, the lion's gonna return. <laughs> he wants some more human flesh. Uh, the lion returned and made an unsuccessful attack on a, a worker sleeping in a tree. Oh, wow. So, another lucky worker. That night, Patterson laid an ambush in the same tree. The lion returned, and Patterson shot it two more times. Gee. Then, in the morning, they followed the blood trail and found the lion, which which then charged at them. Oh. He shot it three more times. Twice in the chest, once in the head. Jeez. And this finally killed the second lion. Wow. Patterson claimed that it died gnawing on fallen tree branch, still trying to reach him. Oh, wow. Weird and crazy, huh? Yeah. Can you imagine that? Oh, wow. And uh, 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 in total, this lion was shot up to nine times. Gee. That's nine lives. Of... <laughs> Maybe that's how it came up with that. Maybe. A cat has nine lives. <laughs> yeah, the first one didn't, but this one did. <laughs> uh, on December 29th, the lion problem was officially taken care of. Gee. 
So how how after how long? What? How after how long from when it began? Nine months. To... It started oh, in okay. March and ended um Dece- the end of December. Okay. So pretty much a nine months period. After their deaths, the workers returned, and they finished the bridge in February of the next year, 1899. So the bridge was finished. And Dave, that is the main part of the story, but we still have some other things to talk about. Okay. After Patterson killed the lions, he actually, he kept both their skulls and he used their skins as rugs for the next 25 years. Gee. (laughs) Isn't that kind of that's kind of funny? Well, you spend that much time and it's you know nine months hunting. That much of your life, you're like, this is you're going on my you're going on my floor line. (laughs) Uh, Then in 1924, he sold the remains to the Field Museum in Chicago. Oh, he sold them for five thousand dollars. Which in t- I actually looked it up. Oh, and, yeah. uh, in today's money, that is around seventy-two thousand. Oh, okay. That's not. Eh, I guess that's it's not bad. Good. Yeah. Uh, and this, he got to use it for twenty-five. Use it for twenty-five did. years. Well, yeah, he did. So who knows what's well, on? And, and when they arrived, this the to the museum, the, the skins were in very poor condition. Oh. The lines were reconstructed. And were put on permanent display along with their skulls in 1928. Hmm. And they remain there today. Interesting. So if you're in Chicago, go to the Field Museum and you can check them out. From but I will say from pictures I've seen, the lines definitely look like they've been reconstructed there. It's not quite no, there but to par. maybe that's because that, that was a hundred, almost a hundred years ago that they were reconstructed. Oh, okay. But this, the the stuffed lions, uh, the bodies are actually smaller than what they were in real life. Oh, due to their skins having been trimmed for the use of, of rugs. Oh, okay. So they don't look that impressive in pictures oh. of at the museum. Like those just look like two pussy cats, and. Oh. So I imagine they were a lot scarier in real life. I hope they would, or at least. (laughs) So Patterson, after everything, was declared a hero by the workers, and word of the events spread far and wide, making him kind of famous. Nice. The workers presented Patterson with a silver bowl in appreciation for the risks he undertook on their behalf. I, I don't know if what a silver bowl means exactly in their culture, but it's pretty prestigious. I would bet. I mean, silver back then, you know, well, silver even still today is worth a lot of money. Is it? Yeah. So think back then, if you get a pure silver bowl, that's probably pretty good. Yeah, all right. Alan Patterson considered the bowl to be his most highly prized and hardest won trophy. Nice. So he really appreciated it. Right on. So I got a couple other things about Patterson I want to say real quick so after all this he fought in world war one and was commander of the jewish legion which served in the palestine campaign palestine campaign yeah he was well i got a little bit more on that in a minute but he was big in with the jewish um stuff okay (laughs) jewish stuff but i I, i'll tell you more in a minute (laughs) okay well jewish stuff (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you're part jewish so yeah i can say that (laughs) 
Uh, he retired from the British Army in 1920 after 35 years of service, and he remained a lieutenant colonel throughout the whole time. Hmm. He gained much respect and admiration of his men while he was in service as well, particularly because he always stayed as a lieutenant colonel. They were, oh, okay. they were, they appreciated that, I guess. Also, he was married this whole time. Um, his wife is in the film Ghost in the Darkness as well. Okay. I can't remember who it's played by, but uh, he married a woman named Frances Helena Gray. In 1895, she was one of, interesting fact about her, she was one of the first women to take a law degree in the UK. Oh, wow. So that's pretty prestigious, right? Yeah. And their son was Brian Patterson. He became a paleontologist at the Field Museum in Chicago, the exact one where the lions are. Right on. So that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Something else, in the 1940s, he and his wife lived in a modest home in La Jolla, California. Oh, modest in La Jolla? Well, back in There's the 40s. There's no such thing. <laughs> back in the 40s. Oh, okay, I guess so. Where's La Jolla at again? La Jolla, San Diego. Okay, that's right. It's, in it's San like Diego. the We've place been there. I know I've been San there before. Diego. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, he eventually died at uh, 79 years old. He died while in his sleep. Hmm. Uh, and his wife died just six weeks after him. Oh. But he had a pretty exciting life, it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, oh, and I forgot. He was a big advocate of Zionism. Are you familiar with that? With the Jews going back home? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and he had big support for the Jewish people in general. Uh, when he was leading, when World War One, he was okay. he was really big into Zionism and the, uh, helping the Jewish people, I guess you could say. Okay. But yeah, interesting guy, Colonel, yeah. Lieutenant Colonel Patterson. I, I liked him. He's not Jim Corbett. Well, he comes across a little bit like not as much, yeah, not as much a... staying in nature, you know. And he wasn't, and he, but he married and oh yeah, he was in the military, you know. Had a. I mean, I just like Jim Corbett better. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Colonel Patterson still a cool guy. I liked him. Yeah, I liked learning about him. I, I do associate him with Val Kilmer. I don't mind Val oh, Kilmer, okay. but eh, that's okay. I liked Val Kilmer back then. Yeah. All right. So he even wrote a couple books. Uh, the most famous one being The Man Eaters of Savo, hmm. um, which kind of which documented his time hunting the lions. And I did not read the book myself. I did not. I, but pretty much everything there is about this story comes uh-huh. from his book. Okay. So any almost every part of information you're going to look up has at least something to do with his book that has come from him himself. Okay. So in the book, he says that the lions killed, guess how many? I actually told you last week. Uh, I don't remember. 117? 135. 135. Okay. Now this number is highly contested, but it's never, it's not been disproven. So, there's lots of debate about the number of men that were killed by the lions. So recent accounts put the number more around 30. 30? Yeah. For nine months? Well, I'll tell you why and they came to that. disappearing so, and dying? I mean, it's, it's completely debatable, Dave. But oh. uh, I will tell you why they say that. So in 2009, I was going to get scientific real, up in this joint oh, real okay. quick. In 2009, a team of biologists were able to do a chemical analysis on hair and skin samples from the samples at the museum. 
They used isotope ratios and determined the chemical makeup of the proteins in the lion's diet during the last months alive. Wow. Did you get, did you understand that? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they concluded that one of the lions had eaten around 11 humans and the other around 24. That meant that uh, one lion ate around one third of its diet was human and the other, it was about two-thirds of its diet, was human. So they're, they're saying that it, humans were a supplemental part of their diet. Not really their main one, because they were still killing other animals. How accurate this is, I have no idea. Yeah, that's It sounds weird. So they're all, they were able to get proteins from the, the skin. Like 100 years old. That had been over 100 years old and yep. worn. And yep. say, oh, this protein was from this person or... Identify them I don't, as different proteins. From I don't know. People. I mean, somebody could have laid on That's, them as a rug, and they would been like, "Well, this was another person that they killed." Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, it's interesting. It sounds weird, and I, I don't quite understand that part. Yeah, I don't know that it's completely foolproof. I don't know. Either. Maybe they should. have... You think a scientist trying to prove something would be a little more accurate with their statement? Well, saying, maybe they well, were... he only killed thirty. He may they should have said something like, "Well, we found thirty that were killed." Maybe they did, but in the and, source and, and that and I used, close the fallacy of what they could. Maybe be they did improper, but this is from the sources I read. They oh, didn't, okay. so maybe they did. I don't oh. know. But the lions definitely killed at least around thirty people. But these tests wouldn't. I mean, you could think about it. Like, do they include people that they just killed and not ate, or did they eat everybody that they killed? Uh, where does uh, it end? Yeah. You know, and how much do they have to eat for that to count? There's so many ifs, ands, or buts to yeah. to that research. I feel like so. I don't know. Maybe they killed a hundred others with without eating them. Nobody knows the official exact amount. Mm. But um, Patterson, well, it's, it's it had to have been enough for because thousands of workers start leaving. You know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean. I feel like it could have definitely they had, been more. They had, what, over 38,000 people there. One person dying per day for, how many, how many years was it again? Several years, I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, so, and if there was only 30 out of the lions in nine months, who would care, you know? Why would they leave? <laughs> yeah, there would you, be no point People are leave. dying from sickness it has a lot to be more so, Yeah, it had to be something worse. Unless that. it was in one specific campsite where they did all that damage. Yeah, it could be. And so, and then word spreads quickly. Fear spreads quickly throughout yeah. those campsites. Like, there's killer lions. And they could have overestimated, like, oh, you know, word of mouth. Like, these lions have killed so many of us. And then that gets turned into 80. That gets turned into 100. And, yeah. You know what I mean? So, we don't know all yeah. that. But, I mean, in this case, it's uh, uh, Patterson's account. So, he would, I, you know, he's... He's the one declaring source, it. He's would, the one declaring that. Yeah. I'd be a little more apt to follow what he's... Talking he, about, you know. Well, in his book, he was he was known to embellish a bit. Okay. As, you know, authors do sometimes. Yeah. And I don't know how much of it. He, nobody knows how much he embellished because he's the one who wrote it and was there. So, but, and he wrote in the um, Victorian times uh, manner of, of writing. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and what I read is that the Victorian style of writing, they do embellish more than... Say now. Okay. So that was another interesting fact. Uh, how much was embellished? We have no idea, Dave. Yeah. We just don't know enough. Um, I like to think, I kind of like to think it was around 135. <laughs> it sounds, would, it sounds yeah. better, huh? I still would, yeah. Even though if he embellished, you know, I don't see them embellishing as in 
creating a falsehood in terms of numbers. It's an embellishment as to how suave you are with it or or how, Make yourself how mean good. or something something is, you know? Not so much like, oh, so mean that he killed 138 even though it was only 30. You know, yeah. we don't, I don't think they flat out lie like that. Yeah. But the embellishment is more in the in the adjectives used to describe yeah, what's fair. going on, you know? But let's just say 135. Yeah, let's do it. 135 I'm deaths. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> All right, so let's transition and let's talk about a couple of films real quick. Uh the story of the Savo Lions inspired a couple films. First is the 1952 British film called Men Against the Sun. That's a pretty good title. Hmm. Uh, I couldn't get anything. I couldn't really find anything on this movie, though. Oh. Well, it exists. Okay. <laughs> uh, then... Uh, you said 1962? 52. Oh, 52? Okay. Then the 1959 film Killers of Kilimanjaro. Ooh. Uh, Kilimanjaro is actually, it's the highest um, mountain in Africa, and it isn't far from Savo. It's okay. Pretty, it's not far at all. But couldn't get anything, I didn't really find anything on this oh. uh, movie either that impressed me, so. Yeah. Okay. So let's just get to the main one. The 1996 American film, Ghost and the Ghost and the Darkness. I kept saying the ghost in the darkness, but it's and the darkness. Nice. Hey, so what if what if the ghost is one of the lions and the darkness is the other? <laughs> we could go with that. Right, I like that. So ghosts killed uh, 74 people and darkness killed yeah. the other. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I actually rewatched the, the movie like two weeks ago. Uh, and you know what? I like it overall. I like the movie. I've always have. Um, the movie stars Val Kilmer as Colonel Patterson and if you think about it, in 96, uh, Kilmer just did Batman Forever. Okay. So he's kind of becoming a big actor yeah. at the time. And you were, Dave was telling me something right before we started recording, that Val Kilmer is kind of a diva. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, he was a diva back then. Well, <laughs> it's hard to get along with the thing. Well, yeah. It, it was, well, I don't know if it was that period, but, you know. We don't. He stopped, yeah, he stopped for, because... Yeah. He was getting difficult to work with, yeah. you know. Interesting. But yeah, I liked him in uh I liked him back in that period. He was yeah. doing great. He was a great Batman. You think so? Um, I did. I I liked him as Batman. And I liked him as Mad Mardigan and Willow. You remember that? I never I never saw Oh, that. you gotta see that one. Yeah. Well he was, was really Top good. Gun too, right? Yep. You're dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he's gonna be in the Probably the new the next, one. The new one, yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. He's been in some things recently. Okay. He, he's he's gotten well, he's gotten older. He's, yeah. he's a big guy now. He's oh, kind of he? fat, yeah. I thought he thinned down again because he had some, he had I some don't health know. issue. Yeah. He, I, yeah, he was – God, I can't remember. It was the 20th, 25th, 30th anniversary of Willow. And he did a little uh, interview with uh, Warwick Davis, you know? Okay. Well, yeah, I he's, know who that he's is. He's a little bigger then. But then I thought he thinned out because he had some – health problem oh, maybe he didn't I, I, I haven't kept up on Val Kilmer I know it's hard, it's hard to you know <laughs> alright but let's continue uh, the, the movie also stars the very famous Michael Douglas mm. he plays actually a total made up fictional character that they just added for the film named Charles Remington huh. that sounds pretty Remington and he's an American that sounds pretty American right there Charles yeah. Remington yeah Charles Remington, yeah, that's that's pretty, that's pretty good name. Remington's the yeah. manufacturer of guns, so yeah. But stay away from the ocean. Your name's Charles. Oh, that's right. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good. Maybe he was in. The, well, maybe it wasn't because he actually died in the movie. Oh. Too. <laughs> so lions will go after Charles as well. <laughs> yeah, there you go. 
the part of Patterson almost went to Kevin Costner. Oh, interesting. And also Tom Cruise. Wow. It almost went to them, but um, either they declined or something. I, uh, they had con- or issues. I don't know. But somehow they ended with Val Kilmer. Kilmer was a good choice. Yeah. And the part of Remington was almost played by Anthony Hopkins and Sean Connery. Wow. Interesting. So actually, a funny, funny thing, uh, Michael Douglas was actually a producer of the film. Oh, okay. And when they couldn't land either of those two guys, he's like, you know what? I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> and so he went from producer to casting himself in the movie. Nice. <laughs> and he got top billing, too, over Val Kilmer. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. If you're a producer, yeah. You can do that. And they used real lions in the film. The or in the film, they were named Caesar and Bongo. Nice. They were uh, also used in George of the Jungle. Those lions. Oh yeah. And they had so in the movie they had really big manes, unlike the real ones of Savo. So okay, I'm okay with that. With them using real lions with real manes. Well, it sure would have been difficult to say, hey, let's try to get a couple of pair from that that let's get, place. Yeah, and dangerous raise pair them from... so we can train them and <laughs> yeah. You just got to go with what you've got. Yeah. yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah. It's just a casting choice. Yes. <laughs> the movie itself got mixed reviews and has a 51% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's not terrible. Yeah. It also has a 6.8 on IMDb, which is better. Hmm. <laughs> uh I think in, in as of now, it kind of has a cult following. And it, it seems like from what I've read that it's actually received a lot more attention like now oh, okay. than it did back then. Like it was kind of panned back then, but then it's kind of grown on people. It's one of those kind of okay. movies. And it wasn't even a bomb either. It did okay in the um, box office. It had a budget of $45 million and it made $75 million. Okay. So, you know, it wasn't, didn't do terrible. It wasn't terrible. Back. It did okay. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> Val Kilmer did earn himself a Razzie Award for those again? Worst Supporting Actor. They're like... Oh, really? <laughs> their awards for being the worst. Huh. There's like a whole thing about them. And they're kind of funny. And sometimes the celebrities are totally like, yeah, I won. <laughs> nice. So <laughs> other times they don't show up. <laughs> but yeah, he earned himself a Razzie Award for Worst Supporting Actor. But the film did get an Academy Award for Best Sound Editing. Interesting. Yeah. And I actually really liked the music in it, too. I mean, we, we played it in the very beginning of the episode. You know what? Let's play a clip of that music again. Okay. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. I actually really like that i've had that in my head for like the last two weeks and i still nice. like it I'm, I'm okay with that being in my head it's better than we have it it's been a long time since i got to f- put that that song <laughs> yeah. in there somewhere <laughs> well there's a reason that ghost in the darkness soundtrack is probably better than that one it was it was uh composed by jerry jerry goldsmith I am He's popular. Well, he did uh, Alien, Patton, Gremlins, Basic Instinct, Polter- Poltergeist. You know, he's <laughs> he's done quite a few of okay. those big films. So he's he's up there. Um, you know, I liked uh, uh, was it James Horner? 
He does, uh, he does Willow. Um, uh, why can't I think of these now? Uh, gosh, I'm drawing a blank. Kevin Costner film. Dances with Wolves. Oh, Dances yeah, with Wolves. Yeah, Dances with Wolves. <laughs> yeah, he's, he does some big ones too. John Williams did big ones. So Jerry Goldsmith is up there. Man, okay. I don't yeah. know that's yeah you i know you don't usually learn the composers unless it's john williams you know yeah or Han, Han zimmer zimmer yeah zimmerman yeah. or whatever he does, he does the uh he did star wars is, no 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 that was john oh, batman williams. i know he did batman yeah he didn't he do inception mm-hmm. yeah yeah he did all right yeah i think he's german or something like that he's <laughs> i don't know yeah <laughs> oh sorry yeah <laughs> I think i'm trying to keep german up on composers Oh, yeah, you yeah do soundtracks that. are they, there's some pretty I amazing like soundtracks so I kind of keep up yeah and this one was good I yeah. actually liked it so and the lion attack scenes were pretty cool like I said the hospital scene you saw that I remember watching it this movie when I was a kid when I was like 13 or 14 oh yeah yeah I, okay when I was I had it was on VHS too <laughs> that's that's how long ago it was and I remember watching it in my room and I would Watch the like death scenes, the hospital scene, uh-huh. and I rewind it and watch it again. I, I don't know what I was doing. I was totally into watching the death scenes. And I did that with other movies, too, when I was that age. I did it with Gladiator and The Patriot. I would oh, wow. just watch the the cool battle scenes and then rewind it, watch it again. I don't know what I was... Your mom would walk in the room and be like, do we have a problem here, Are Matt? you going to be a serial killer, Matt? <laughs> I was like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> but I don't know why. I just I just remembered that off the top of my head. I, I, I used to do that. Nice. Yeah, I remember... I saw it when I was younger. I, went, I wasn't... I was an adult when I saw it, but... A long time ago. But I uh, I remembered I didn't like it. I don't remember much about it, though. Hmm. But I remember, yeah, Michael Douglas, Kevin, Kevin – not Kevin Costner. Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer, sorry. thinking, yeah, I'll watch that. But I just remember I didn't yeah, really care it, for it as much. I, was I don't think they – I, I don't think. think the actors cared for it that much either no. from what I read. Sometimes that stuff shows out. That's why, yeah. you know. The script was great. It just didn't turn out well. Sometimes yeah, that happens. It, it, yeah, it happens more than you think. Yeah, we we know that. We've seen it happen yeah, as yeah. us. yeah. All right, so Dave, that is going to wrap up the episode. I hope everyone enjoyed it. This is another story that was an inspiration for the podcast and maybe the most famous one that we've covered. So we hope everyone learned some cool new things and enjoyed it. Yeah. And that's going to actually conclude our series on lions as well. Oh. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with the lions. That was It was good, huh? Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about them other in other stories in the future, though. They've come up multiple times in other episodes. So I'm sure they'll come up again in other stories. Uh, But yeah, I had a good time with lions. Did you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So as for next week, Dave, I haven't fully decided, but I I feel like I'm leaning towards doing a spider episode. Like American spiders. So say like black widows and brown recluse. I'm leaning towards that. I don't know why. And trying I, to freak us out? Is that what you're yeah. trying to do? We haven't we, we haven't covered any spiders yet. That's true. And so a lot of people might be interested in that and also might be scared of them. So I think it might be important to say that they're really not that bad. Or well, these ones here in America. Say go to Australia. Oh, they're hella bad there. <laughs> hey, stay away from there, mate. Yes. So I wanted to, I want to do American spiders because that's our main audience in America. But talk about the ones that can actually be dangerous here in the states. Okay, that makes sense because there's really yeah. only two, maybe three that are really dangerous. Okay, and they're not even bad. So we might do that, or 
I'm also leaning towards some kind of a rodeo-themed episode. Oh, yeah, that'd be neat. Yeah, like a rodeo-themed episode. We could talk about rodeo accidents and people getting run over by bulls. We should probably, yeah. I mean, we just had the rodeo here. We did, and we both well. went to it, so that's kind of why it's still on my mind. Yeah. So a rodeo-themed episode might be pretty cool. Yeah. We could do history, or maybe we could do that the next two episodes. We could do both of these. Okay. That sounds good to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. That's the plan for now, everybody. Nice. <laughs> So, uh, Dave, if our listeners want to help out and contribute to the show, what can they do? They can go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to, subscribe, rate, review, give us five stars, say something you like. It'd be really nice if you could help us out that way. <laughs> show us how show us how grit, how much you care for the show, and the hard work that's put into it. Well, okay. That's, that's all okay. Yeah. <laughs> Did okay there. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, Go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, just give us a review, give us five stars, say something you like about the show. It, it really does mean a lot and it helps us out. Or you can do it on our Facebook page or wherever you can. Now, if you want to be an even more wonderful person, become a producer of the show, you can do that by going to PayPal or Venmo and leave us a donation. That would mean so much to us. And anybody, everybody that has done it, it means a whole lot to us. We'll, we'll give super shout outs. I, I'll try to send them. I send them a message if I, if I can and say thank you very much. It doesn't matter if it's a dollar, a hundred dollars, anything helps. And it, it just really means a lot to us. And it will help us um, getting our merch going that we still haven't made much progress on yet, but yeah. we want to. <laughs> we really want we to. We need your help. Yes. And so you can contribute by. Uh, go to PayPal. You can find us on forceofnaturepod at gmail.com or on Venmo on my personal account, Matthew-Hamilton-51. That inf- All that info is on the description below as well. And also, we are looking to for a little bit of help maybe on a design, a new design logo that would be easier to put on some merchandise. Yeah. So if anybody has any information that could help us out with that, please let us know. Yeah. Something we're looking for something a little more simple. It's just, you know, I don't know, force of nature, then a cool yeah. lo- logo, something, something like that. Yeah, hey, we're up to, yeah, up to anything you guys can come up with. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And also uh, to all the listeners, feel free to contact us. If you ever want to tell us a cool animal related story, uh, of you or someone you know, or if you want to uh, suggest an episode idea, or if you just want to ask a question or say hi, please feel free. You can email us or message us on Facebook. And also, help us grow by recommending us to family and friends. Tell them we are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, all the ones we need to be on. Oh, and Dave, I, I will say that we do. We didn't get another review, but guess what? Hmm. We got our first hater. Oh, we did! <laughs> hey. Hey. Well, all the all I did was on iTunes. They put one star. <laughs> it's our first hey, they one. Made it. It's all right. It's our, no, that's not that's not good, Dave. Oh, it's not. Oh, okay. <laughs> but we got our first one star. You, you're not making it until you got haters, right? Yeah. They didn't leave a, a message or a review. They just said one star. Uh, one star review. <laughs> so now that puts us at we're at four point nine. Oh, uh, darn, we lost our 5-0. I know, that is, yeah. <laughs> it didn't make me feel fat, sad for a second, but oh, yeah, no. whatever. You got to have them. Yeah, we, we, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to say we want them, but <laughs> we got our first one. Yeah. So we hit a milestone this week. Oh, there we go. <laughs> uh, hopefully next week we'll be on our normal schedule as well. We can get on a weekday. Yeah. 
Maybe but, that's why we got one star. They're like, what? No podcast this week? Boom. Yeah. And then two one days later, star. maybe he felt bad about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. They missed this week out of a whole year. <laughs> I'm mad. All right. But, Dave, do you have anything else to add? No, I'm good. Colonel Cheetor. Oh, hell no. We better not be talking about spiders. Spiders freak me out, man. Well, sorry, oh, Cheetor. I mean, we got to talk about him sometime. Yeah. So. What, what doesn't he like? Or what does he like? Do, I don't know. Like, what yeah. does he like? Gazelles. You want an episode about gazelles? Gazelles? Hell yeah. Let's do gazelles. Maybe sometime. Yeah, later. Maybe sometime, Cheetor. <laughs> this is Force of Nature Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Tell your friends. Be a part of building us up. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.